Well, we are in week number four of our series, Fulfilled. Week number four of our series, Fulfilled. We will be in this series one more week. Next week, we'll close the series out. And then on October 20th, we're going to launch a new series called God of the Underdogs. And we are going to uh, coordinate small groups with that series. And so you'll be getting some more information about that so you can plug in somewhere. We're trying to make them location-oriented, so uh, we're still putting the final touches on that. So hopefully we'll have a group in Covington, a group in Mandeville, a group in uh, Madisonville, and uh, maybe one other group that we're looking So uh, be on the lookout for those groups to be announced in the next several weeks. And then this series will go uh, five weeks long. And so you'll be a part of that small group for five weeks. And then that'll bring us to the holiday season. And then we'll just take a break, let you enjoy holidays. And then we're going to kick off 2020 with a bang. It is going to be an awesome, awesome year, uh, 2020. We're excited about what God is already uh, speaking towards that. So you'll be on the You'll, you'll have to keep coming to figure out what that is, all right? So there's your bait, and so you can take it if you want it, all right? Uh, but today we are continuing our series, Fulfilled, and throughout the series we've been asking the question, are you fulfilled? Are you fulfilled? Do you feel in your life that you are living a fulfilled life? I mean, that's a question that maybe you don't pose to yourself every day, but I think it is a great question to ask ourselves on a regular basis if we are fulfilled, all right? Because I think sometimes what we can do is we can get into the routine of life where we're just doing things out of routine instead of doing things that is marked with purpose, instead of things that is marked with meaning that brings value into our lives. We just get into this cycle. It's like we're on a hamster's wheel where we're moving, but we're really not making any progress. You see, we have lives that are full Right? We have lives that are full, full of stuff, full of appointments, full of scheduling stuff. I mean, our lives are more full than they've ever been, but yet our spirits are empty. And that's the difference between living a full life and a fulfilled life. You see, I believe that when we live a full life is when stress comes in. When we live a full life, that's when we get miserable. When we live a full life, that's when we begin to experience this thing called burnout. But when you live a fulfilled life, it doesn't matter how much is on your plate. It's just because you are doing what you were created to do. It's your spirit is full. You have connected with something that's deeper than yourself, and you're living for that, and you're living a fulfilled life. Now, just to give you kind of an idea of where we've been the last several weeks, week number one, Uh, We were talking about give and take and how you can't give to the world what you don't take from God. That it starts with that relationship with Him. That when He gives things to you, it's not just so that you become a hoarder of things that He gives, but that you give it away. It's a give and take. Then in week number two, we talked about fixing the flow. That your problem might not be a matter of provision, but of priority. And then last week, we talked about worship. You see, the scripture verse that we've used throughout this entire series is John 10.10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, that being Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, when you live this life apart from Jesus, you are coming into contact with 
thieves and robbers all the time. Even when you are a believer as well, you deal with this stuff. But at least when you're a believer, you've got something to fight with. But when you don't, you're just exposed to that thief, that robber, that all he's there to do is to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you. And so in week number three, we talked about how one of the things that the enemy wants to steal from you is your worship. Because worship has the ability to change atmospheres. So this morning, I want to ask the question, I want to ask another question. Not just the question, are you fulfilled? But I want to ask the question that is on my t-shirt this morning. But did you die? You see, I love the NutraShop, but I don't necessarily sport NutraShop t-shirts on Sundays. But let me tell you, sorry, I had like something caught in my mouth. Um, but I, I was, in, I, you know, I was already thinking through the series, knowing where I was going, and I knew what I was preaching. But I, you know how sometimes you get the, well, for me, sometimes I'll get the message, but then I don't have a title for the message. And so I'm like trying to figure out what the title is going to be. And so I was in the Nutra shop on Monday and uh, buying some uh, protein powder because eventually one day this sleeve will be totally filled out, okay? It's getting there, but it'll, to- yeah, but anyway. Um, and so I was buying some protein powder, and, you know, when you shop at the Nutra shop, I know I sound like an infomercial right now, but it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going there. It's a great place. You need to buy all your nutritional supplements from those guys. They're awesome, okay? But anyway, so back to, to you know, plus you get free T-shirts if you buy over a certain amount. So, like, in Basically, you buy a product, you're going to get a T-shirt, right? So I, I buy my protein powder, and, and so they had this shirt on the, on the rack. And when I saw it, it was just like, you ever have those moments where it's like you have the total light glow that's around it, and you hear like, oh, behind. I mean, like, that's what happened. When I saw it, I saw this happen, and I was like, I saw the shirt, and it said, but did you die? And I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's the title of the message. But did you die? And that's a question that I think we need to ask ourselves today. And where that question points to is this. You see, there's a difference between knowing about something and having a relationship with somebody. You see, a lot of times what we can do is we can say, well, I know about Jesus. But I'm going to ask you the question, but did you die? But did you die? Man, I know Jesus in the story, uh, you know, that we talk about at Easter, that he goes to the cross. Okay, that's great. He died, but did you die? But did you die? You see, because in order to go from just knowing about Jesus to having a relationship with him, you got to die. So my question to you this morning is, but did you die? But did you die? There's multiple times in scriptures where this question is asked point blank. Now we've been looking at passages in the book of John, whether you've noticed that or not, throughout this series, and Jesus takes an opportunity to address this question, but did you die? Now he didn't ask it that way, but this is what he's trying to get to in John chapter 12, verses 23 through 
26. Now, before I get into this passage and read it, I want to let you know what's going on. Jesus has just made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem for Passover. He is entering the last week of his life. This is it. Okay? He's had 33 years on this planet, and now he is entering the final week of his time here on earth, and he is had his triumphal entry. Can you imagine how he must feel going into Jerusalem with all the pomp that he had he went through? I mean, he sat on a on a donkey, the people were praising, they were waving palm branches up and down. They were like Hosanna comes in the highest. I mean, it was like a parade if you ever seen one. And you can imagine that there had to be something that went through his head that was like, "Man, this is awesome." But he knew he was going to die. He knew the same people that were waving the branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we're going to be the same ones that were going to cry, crucify, crucify, in just several more days. So he's at this triumphal entry. That's happened. And now he's with his disciples. And he says this in verse 23, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Now, if you're a disciple at this moment and you're in that place and you hear this, you're thinking, man, yes, because we just had the, the whole triumphal entry parade. This is awesome because they aren't thinking that he's dying. They're thinking that he's coming to take over. They're thinking that he's coming to overrule the Roman Empire. They think that he's about to set up shop, set up their, his kingdom right here on earth, right here, right now. And so when they hear this, I mean, on the inside, they're excited. But then he goes into this in verse 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. I want you to listen to verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Doesn't it sound a little counterintuitive to think about that statement in verse 25 where he says those who love their life in this world, they're going to lose it. But if they don't care anything about it, then they'll keep it. I mean, that just doesn't make sense in the world that we live in, in, in today, does it? It just, like, like, we can't even really comprehend that statement if we just view it through the social lens that we live in today. But see, that's what the world says, is like, go and get as much as you can for yourself. Because this is the one life you got. So just get as much of it as you can possibly get. And Jesus says, give your life away. And that's how you'll really gain it. What's interesting to me is in verse 24, he says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. Now, in this particular passage, he's talking about himself. He's saying that he is the kernel of wheat and that he must die. And through his death comes a harvest. Through his death comes more seed. Through his death actually comes life. And that's what he's talking about. But yet he goes on to say, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. That's what that means. That you got to become the same kernel of wheat that he is. You must go into the ground. You must die 
so that you can live a fulfilled life. But did you die? Did you die? You see, just as a seed will never become a plant unless it dies and is buried, so the death and burial of Jesus was necessary to his glorification. Listen to this. Before there can be resurrection, power, and fruitfulness, there must be death. Before there can be resurrection, power, and fruitfulness, there must be death. Jesus knew this. His disciples didn't. He knew this. He knew that in order for there to be the fulfillment of the law, he had to come, he had to die, he had to raise from the dead to be that one and only sacrifice that was going to totally fulfill the law. He had to do this. You see, while his disciples didn't want him to die, what they didn't realize is is that they couldn't experience the power and the fruitfulness that he came to bring until he died. You cannot experience resurrection power and the fruitfulness in your own life until you die. Is somebody hearing me this morning? You know, Jesus addressed this in the chapter previous to this one in John chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Now, this is when he, he, you know, Lazarus dying is just a picture of what happens in the spiritual when we give our lives to Christ. That's what Lazarus is dying because he's got disease. Lazarus is dying because in the spiritual, there's sin. Sin brings death, right? That's what sin equals. Sin equals death. Sin has pleasure while you're alive, but it's killing you. It's the same way with Eve in the garden when the serpent tempted her with the apple. She thought it looked delicious. She took a bite. She didn't die right there, did she? No, she didn't die for quite a many few years after that. But yet, she began to die on that day. That's what sin does. Sin brings death. And so Lazarus has disease in his body. He dies, and then he comes, and he's been dead for four days. And in John eleven twenty three, it says, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now he's talking to Martha, one of his sisters. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? You know what he asked Martha when he asked, do you believe this? He's asking, but did you die? But did you die? Because see, in order to experience resurrection, power, and fruitfulness, there has to be death. Now going back to verse 24 and talking about that kernel of wheat, that principle that is stated there, if it is true for Jesus, it also must be true for his followers. We must be that kernel of wheat that goes into the ground dies but out of that death comes life now why does jesus ask us for our entire lives i mean couldn't he have asked for something else but you see if you think about it our life is the most precious thing to us right i mean the reason that we do things in life is to try to better our lives right because we we feel like we deserve that our lives are precious 
to us. And because of that, Jesus wants us to give what we deem as precious to Him. Because there's something that Jesus knows that we fail to realize at times. That He has come to give us life and life to the full. In order to experience the life that we were meant to live, we cannot achieve that on our own. We must give it to Him. We must die to ourselves and give our lives to Him so that we can experience resurrection power and fruitfulness. To be a believer is to serve Jesus, to follow Him. And that doesn't mean that you stop working your job or caring for your family or studying at school. It means that you do all of that as a servant of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Scripture says to do everything in, in, for the glory of Jesus. Everything that you do should point back towards Him. When you do something with excellence at your work, it's because of Jesus. When you raise your family in a, in a, in a standard of love, it's because of the love that you get from Jesus. There should be things that glorify Jesus all around your life. Charles Spurgeon said this, all of you who would have Christ as your Savior, you must be willing to serve Him. We are not saved by service, but we are saved to service. You see, when we come and we give our lives to Christ and we, we die, right, because we are giving our old selves and we are being raised to new life in Him. When we're raised to new life in Him, it's not called to just sit. It's called to something. It's called to serve Him. It's because our life at that moment is not our own anymore. We must submit ourselves not just to Him as Savior, but to Him as Lord, which means that you're giving Him full discretion for Him to lead you, to guide you, to direct you into what He has called you into. Another time that Jesus asked the question, but did you die, was after feeding the 5,000. Now, I'm going to read the account in Luke chapter 9, but I do want to highlight John chapter 6. It won't be up on the screen, but this is the same account, and it's recorded a little bit different. Because in Luke, number, in Luke chapter 9, which I'll read, it's directed towards his disciples. In John chapter 6, his response is directed to the crowd. Okay, so in John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000. After that, he crosses over to the other side, and then they're there waiting on him. Now Jesus, he, he, he's like, man, look, the only reason you followed me all the way over here is because I fed you. And not fed you spiritually, fed you naturally. They, they, they saw two fish and five loaves multiplied to feed 5,000 plus people. And so they're like, man, if I can get a free, free lunch here, I might as well follow the guy anywhere he goes because who knows what's next. I mean, I got fish and bread. It might be filet mignon next, next place. Let me go. Let me see what's going to happen. He said, the only reason you cross to the other side is because you don't, care about me you care about what I can do you see when we are all wrapped up in knowledge of who he is we just want what he can do when we have a relationship with him we just want him but did you die but did you die he says in this time in John chapter 6 I am the bread of life you don't need to keep going after those things that is here today and gone tomorrow. The things that go in your stomach and then three, four hours later you're ready to eat again. You see, that's what the world offers. It's like going through the day, eating. You eat breakfast 
and that doesn't suffice through all the way to evening. You got to eat. You got to eat. Once you eat, it's two, three hours later, you're hungry again. For some of you, well, for me, it's like an hour later. But you got to continually fuel your body, right? I mean, because that's just how we are in the natural. And Jesus says, hey, look, that's good for the natural. But listen, what you really need is you need me in your life. I am the bread of life. He goes, and remember, he tells the woman at the well, if you come to me, you will never thirst again. If you come to him, you'll never be hungry again because he is what a fulfilled life is all about. It's all about him. It's all about dying to ourselves and living for him, giving our lives to him. Then he goes on and he says some really crazy stuff to the crowd in John chapter 6. I mean, stuff like eat my flesh, drink my blood kind of stuff. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if I'm in that crowd, that's spooking me out a little bit, right? Because you're thinking of it in the natural, but he was talking to a spiritual implication. He says, my body is broken for you. Take and eat. My blood is shed for you. It is to seal the new covenant between you and God. Take and drink. In order for us to take all of Him, we must get rid of all of us. That's what we have to do. That's what He's called us to do. So now let's get into Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. It says, one day Jesus left the crowds. Okay, these are the crowds that kept following Him because He fed them. And only His disciples were with Him. And He asked them, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? You know what he was asking them? But did you die? It's all fine and good what other people think that I am, know that I am, but what about you? Did you die? Do you really believe in who I am? You keep hanging around me. You've been around me for a while now. I want to know. Let's face the music here. Do you just believe in something that somebody says and it's just purely out of head knowledge or is it connecting to the heart? But did you die? You see, I'm fearful that there's a lot of people in our churches today that they only know about Christ here, but they don't know Him here. They know of Him, but they're not willing to give everything to Him. But did you die? So Peter replied, because you know Peter's going to speak up. He says, you're the Messiah sent from God. And Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He'll be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now this is interesting because now he shifts to the crowd. It says in verse 23, then he said to the crowd. Now, the disciples are included in this. So he's talking to all of us, and he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost 
or destroyed. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Who do you say that I am? But did you die? Who do you say that I am? You see, it was fine for the disciples to know what the crowds thought about Jesus, but Jesus had to ask them as individuals, what do you believe about me? This is a question that is placed before all of us. And it is we, not he, who are judged by our answer. Let me say that again. It is we, it is us, not him, who is judged by our answer. In fact, we answer this question every day by what we believe and what we do. Because if we really believe Jesus is who he says that he is, it will affect the way that we live. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say that I got this all perfected because there are days that you could be around me, be a fly on my wall somewhere, on my car window, okay, when somebody cuts me off or my kids say something to me, you know, or me and Christina aren't seeing eye to eye. Come on, couples, you don't, don't act like you don't have those moments. But what I'm saying, though, is, is that in those moments, guess what? Like, you'd be saying, does this dude even believe in Jesus? Okay? But if we're really going to sit here and say, I've given my entire life to him. If I really believe in who Jesus is, not just know about him, but believe in him, it has to. It has to. There's no other choice. It has to affect the way that I live. If you're going to tell me, I believe in Jesus, I live for Jesus, it has to. I'm not saying it should. I'm saying it has to affect the way that you act. It has to affect the way that you live. Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. As Jesus spoke these words, guess what? You see, when we read Scripture, sometimes we have to place ourselves in that culture, in that society, because then those words mean something a little bit more maybe at times. It means something a little bit different at times. Because we can sit there and say, oh, that's cute, because Jesus told us to take up our cross and follow him. Yeah, that's cute to us today, but back then it was serious business for those people. You want to know why? Because Romans executed people on a daily basis by crucifixion. In fact, when you traveled from town to town, they would do it on the outskirts of their town. Those people would be hanging on crosses as you would walk into the town. And there was something inside of you that says, i got to be careful about what I do. i got to be careful about what I say because I could be the very next one that's on one of those crosses. See, we don't live in that world today. So that scripture doesn't mean as much of a punch to us as it would to, to those crowds. Jesus was saying, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. Oh man, Jesus, we got a problem with that. Because ain't nobody in that time going to go volunteer to the Roman Empire and say, hey, crucify me today. Where, where, where's, where's the cross store? Let me go get my cross today and begin carrying it to my death. Nobody was volunteering it. And so when Jesus was saying, hey, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to voluntarily give your life to me by taking up your cross. 
And I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself because he was on his way to taking up his own cross. And he was the only man who has ever been on the face of this earth that did not deserve the cross on his back, but yet he took it anyway. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. You see, carrying a cross always led to death on a cross. No one carried a, a cross for fun. The people he was speaking to did not need an explanation of the cross. They knew it was an unrelenting instrument of torture, death, and humiliation. You see, if someone took up his cross, he never came back. Let me say that one again. If someone took up his cross, he never came back. It was a one-way journey. When we give our lives to Christ, it's a one-way journey. When we decide that we're going to pick up our cross, it is a decision forever. There's no turning back. There's no coming back. That doesn't mean I haven't seen some people lay it down and go back. Let me say this. Nobody can take your salvation away, but you can sure enough give it away. So there's some people that they've had an experience with Jesus. They've carried their cross several days of their lives, but yet they gave it back. You see, in the real life crosses of the Roman world, no one took them up voluntarily. Instead, crosses were impressed upon people quite apart from their willingness. And here Jesus said, that those who follow him must voluntarily take up their cross. This isn't to suggest that we can choose our way to die a living death as followers of Jesus, but as the unchosen circumstances come into our life, we choose to bear them as a way to daily die for Jesus' glory. Let him deny himself. Jesus made deny himself equal would take up his cross. You see, those two phrases, they express the same thing. The cross wasn't about self-promotion or self-affirmation. The person carrying a cross knew that they could not save themselves and that self was destined to die. Denying yourself means to live as, other, as an others-centered person. Jesus was the only person to do this perfectly, but we are to follow in his steps. I will say this, like denying yourself is so hard, so hard, because we're selfish at our nature. Can I just be honest with you? Like, like, like when, we, when, we, when we do this walk with Jesus, I believe that there are, like, not that there's levels, but just go with me for the sake of explanation here. Like, I believe, like, the more, like, it's kind of like working out, right? You never go into the gym and strap up all the weight plates at one time, right? You start with something small, work your way up. I believe, like, this life with Jesus, it's the same thing. I mean, think about it. If you're faithful with the small, he'll make you ruler over much. You got to be faithful with the small things, and then you graduate as you go, right? Well, you don't just graduate in the good stuff. You graduate also in the trials of life, right? 
And the more and more that you go through the trial of life, he said, consider it pure joy, my, my brethren, when you fall into various trials and tribulations because it's the working out of your faith. This was essentially what James was telling us when he quoted that. And so there are times where God is going to uh, uh, see you through something because he's trying to build something inside of you. doesn't mean that he's allowing bad things to happen to you. But he's also a God that says, okay, the bad is here, so let's not just say that it's going to be bad, but let's just work it out for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Doesn't mean he causes the bad to happen. He doesn't allow the bad to happen. Bad's here because sin's here. But he's not going to just allow you to sit in the bad. He's going to take you through the bad. He's going to see you through the bad. He's going to use the bad. So in this self-denial thing, like, this is something I'm, I, I'm, can I just be honest with you? I'm struggling a little bit in that area. I'm working through some of that right now. Because there's, 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 there's certain things that happen in my life where I, I want to come up and say, well, what about me? Have you seen what I've done? Do you see what I do here and here and here and here? And guess what? That's great and all. But who do you think you are, Jack? You see what I'm saying? Like that's the flesh trying to rise up. And I got I to gotta die to that thing daily. I got to die to that thing daily. It's like Jesus was like, you know, sometimes I, th- I, I, I say he takes me to the woodshed. I mean, like the other day I'm sitting out on my back porch and I'm just like, oh, God. Like, like literally almost falling to my knees because he's just convicting me of the self-denial thing. Like, bro, who do you think you are is what Jesus is asking me. Like, like what, what, what are you thinking right now? This, this isn't the life I called you to live, one where it's all about you. I called you to live a life that's all about others. A life of self-denial. Then he says, take up his cross daily. I love the fact, well, maybe I do. I have a bittersweet relationship with this word in here because he says, take up your cross daily. Daily. Somebody say daily. Jesus made it clear that he spoke spiritually when he added the word daily. No one could be crucified literally every day, right? In the physical. But daily, they could have the same attitude as Jesus had. You see, this is following Jesus at its simplest. He carried the cross, so his followers must carry one. He walked to his self-death, so must those who would follow him. This is what Paul says in Romans. He said, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, but did you die? We will also be raised as He was. Our old simple selves were crucified with Christ so that our sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also share his new life. We are sure of this because Christ rose from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. He died once to, de- to, to defeat sin and now he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourselves dead to sin and able to live for the glory of God through Christ Jesus. Guess what? Death no longer has power over him, and death has no power over you either. Hey, death might sting for a moment, but guess what? When we believe in him, and we die to him, and we come in new life, 
when we die in this physical death, it's when life really begins. But did you die? As Christina comes back up, I want to read this version of verses 23 through 26 of Luke chapter 9. It's the Passion Translation. It says this, Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. Even if you gained all of the wealth and power of this world, everything it could offer you, yet lost your soul in the process, what good is that? So why then are you ashamed of being my disciple? Are you ashamed of the revelation truth I give to you? I, the Son of Man, will one day return in my radiant brightness holy angels and in the splendor and majesty of my father and I will be ashamed of all who are ashamed of me you see we must follow Jesus this way because it is the only way that we will ever find a fulfilled life it's to die to ourself to deny ourself to pick up our cross you know this week I saw something, and maybe a lot of you saw it on social media as well. But there was a um, high-profile case that came, or court case that came to a close this week in the Dallas area with a former Dallas police officer that shot somebody in her apartment. Okay? And she got convicted, guilty plea, and at the sentencing, there was an opportunity for the family to be able to speak. And so the young man that got shot and died, his brother took the stand. And can I tell you that if you want to see a picture of what denying yourself means, it was to see this young man's response. He sat on that stand and he said, if you are truly sorry I know I can speak for myself I forgive you I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you and he said this he said you need to give your life to Christ but see it wasn't enough just to speak those words to her he then turned to the judge and he said, can I give her a hug? Now this was a young man who was about to embrace the woman that took the life of his brother. He comes off the stand and he embraces her and speaks what he said from the microphone into her ear. He says, he told her, I love you. And that's a man that if you asked him the question, but did you die? He could say yes. Because that's not me 
that spoke on that stand. It's the Christ inside of me that spoke on that stand. You see, you can't gain resurrection life without dying first. You can't be Jesus unless you die first. You can't experience the power that Jesus has unless you die first. Giving our lives to Jesus all of the way and living as an other-centered person. You see, when we hear that, we might think that it's going to take away from our lives. But it actually adds to it. It's the only way that you'll ever be able to live a truly fulfilled life is when you die to yourself and you give your life to Him. Now, He gets to the end of this. And He says to the people, He says, If you're ashamed of me, then I will be ashamed of you. Now think about this. Can you be ashamed of something that you don't believe in? Can you be ashamed of something that you don't believe in? See, my answer would be no. The ashamed person believes in what they're ashamed in. But he doesn't take satisfaction and confidence in his belief. You see, ashamed means that you don't want to be seen together in public. Ashamed means that you don't want to talk about him. Ashamed means that you're want to avoid him when possible. You see, some are ashamed out of fear, some out of social pressure, some out of intellectual or cultural pride. There's two groups of people that I'm speaking to today. One group is those that have never experienced death in this way that I've talked about today. That you've never truly died to yourself and taken on the life that Christ can give you, which is life and life to the full. So I speak to that group of people today, but I also speak to that group of people that maybe you were once experienced that, once were full of life, once were full of hope in Jesus, but you sit here a little bit ashamed. You don't want to be seen with Him in public. You don't want to talk about Him. You don't want to be around Him because of one thing or another. But I'm here to call out what you originally declared, which was that He is Jesus, that He is Lord, that He is Savior, that He is your life. Stop being ashamed. Stop being ashamed of Him. We don't have time to be ashamed of Him because time is not on our side. I'm here to tell you that I truly believe that we are so close to Jesus coming back. And this might be a foreign concept to some of you, but the Bible says that there is a day coming when Jesus will come back for His bride. And He will call them up to Him. And those that He calls are those that have called on His name. Those have died to themselves. Those that have picked up their cross. Those that follow Him on a daily basis. Those that have died to themselves.
So the question is, for both, is, but did you die? But did you die? Would you stand with me all over this place?